0: 92.7 WMAY. Time flies when you're having fun. It's definitely flying for Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski, now at about 100 days in office. And she's here in studio with us this afternoon to talk about that experience and where we go from here. So, Congresswoman, welcome. Great to see you. Great
1: to be with you in studio, Jim.
0: And congratulations on that 100 days. Has it been what Thanks. you expected? Better, worse, just different? How, how's it been?
1: Well, first, it's been an incredible honor, first of all, let me say, you know representing the 13th District in Illinois. But I want to say that in this first 100 days, we've actually really hit the ground running. Happy to report we've been able to get some really good legislative pieces of initiative introduced on a bipartisan basis. I talked a lot about during the campaign that I wanted to work with anyone in Washington that was willing to support working people, help our communities in central and southern Illinois. I think we've successfully put forward and introduced some legislative initiatives on a bipartisan basis that are going to do that, from workforce development uh, to agriculture. I'm really excited, as you know, Jim, to get to serve on the House Agriculture Committee. It's a big year for us with the Farm Bill. So lots of work ahead. I think we've been off to a really great start.
0: I want to get to uh, a number of those pieces of legislation. I just want to ask overall, though, what's been the biggest surprise so far actually serving as a working member of Congress? Yeah,
1: I would say I think for folks at home, they look at Washington and they see dysfunction. And I think when I came to Washington, there was some expectation of that on my behalf as well. But what I've been encouraged and surprised in some ways to find is that there are a lot of people still in Washington looking to find common ground um, on both sides of the aisle. And I think I've been able to successfully in a short amount of time actually develop some really good relationships on the Democratic and Republican side that I think are going to move some things forward for Uh, us. I
0: want to come back to that, but let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about some of your uh, legislative initiatives so far. You mentioned uh, agriculture on the Agriculture Committee here, and I know one of the big things uh, awaiting you is going to be a farm bill, a new farm bill. Give us a sense of the progress that's being made there and, and what sort of shape is that taking
1: Yeah, Well, one of the last things I did before leaving to come back home, we had um, the Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, actually testify before our committee for about six hours. And I got the opportunity to talk to him about a a lot of different issues that I think are impacting central and southern Illinois, um, and how the Farm Bill can be helpful in addressing some of those issues. One of them is biofuels. I'm a very big supporter of uh, biofuels um, initiative. We introduced actually legislation called the Next Generation Fuels Act, which would increase our biofuels mix in light-body vehicles. What that does, Jim, is it enables us to support our family farmers that produce the corn that actually creates the biofuel, so that's a plus. And then the second is it lowers our carbon emissions, which is something that we're looking to do to tackle climate change. The third, and most importantly, arguably, is to save money at the pump for consumers. The Next Generation Fuels Act is a common-sense measure that helps us do all three of those things. I asked the secretary about you know our investment in biofuel technology. I think the administration is committed to that. And it's a bipartisan issue. Um, You know, Congresswoman Mary Miller is a co-sponsor of the Next Generation Fuels Act. I introduced this legislation with other Republican uh, colleagues and Democratic colleagues as well. So this is a bipartisan issue that I think we can really tackle in the Farm Bill. The second that I'm really concerned about is our food deserts. Um, I represent some communities in the 13th District that are really struggling with food insecurity. I asked the Secretary about that because the USDA has a healthy food initiative that I think would help support some of our communities that don't have access to healthy food. I'd highlight for you Cahokia Heights, which is actually in St. Clair County, closer to, to uh, the St. Louis um, area. Cahokia Heights, the Walmart there just recently announced that they're going to be closing this month. What that means for Cahokia Heights is not a unique story, actually, to a lot of other communities, whether it's Decatur and in some parts of Springfield as well, that don't have then options to healthy food sources. So Walmart will tell me, well, we have five other stores within a 15-mile radius. But what that means is it might as well be on the other side of the world for some of these folks that don't have access to transportation. So I'm looking for a food, um, I'm sorry, a farm bill that's going to address some of these um, food scarcity issues, healthy food initiatives. I highlighted that for the secretary. Those are just two of the issues. There are so many in the farm bill that I think are great and are going to be able to really make a difference for
0: our communities. When do you anticipate uh, a, a draft of a full farm bill coming forward that people can look at and see how it really impacts the, the farming community and, and the food buying public?
1: Yeah, well, I'm anxious to see it as well. It is coming together. We've just had, I think, our third hearing. So the start is, to be honest with you, a little slower than I think what we'd like, Um, but anxious to get to it because the Farm Bill does expire at the end of this year. So we need to get to the work of it. As you know, Jim, I actually, most members only volunteer to be on two subcommittees. I'm really enjoying this committee and have volunteered to be on three because it does tackle so many important issues. So looking forward to more progress being made on the Farm Bill, and I'm happy to keep you updated as we make more progress.
0: Your other big committee assignment is Veterans Affairs. Uh, Talk a bit about that. What are the major initiatives? Initiatives there to uh, make sure we're properly uh, taking care of our military veterans.
1: Well, I'm incredibly honored to get to serve on the House Veterans Affairs Committee. There's nothing more important that we can be doing than to serve and make sure we are providing for our veterans. Um, and so, as you know, in the 13th district, we have two different clinics that are in Springfield, and then we have a CBOC as well in, in Decatur. I've visited the Decatur VA clinic. Um, one of the issues in particular that I'm really focusing in on because I'm on the health subcommittee for the Veterans Affairs um, larger committee is behavioral health making sure that our veterans are getting access to the specialty care that they deserve and they need. And as you know, Jim, in our rural communities, we really struggle with some unique barriers and obstacles for folks to get access to rural health care. That includes those veterans that need access to behavioral health, mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment. I really want to be a champion um, for those veterans on that front. And as part of that, Jim, it's why I've led and helped to introduce another bipartisan piece of legislation called the Rural Health Corps Act, which would incentivize nurses and um, doctors. For example, if they got trained in Springfield at SIUE's medical facility or medical school, to have them stay here, stay in the community and actually work within the community for five years. If they make that commitment to stay with us, then we'll help them at the federal level relieve some of their student debt. I think those are the kind of common sense initiatives, again, on a bipartisan basis that are going to help our veterans get the access to the behavioral health specialists they need.
0: You know, it sounds great on paper, but we're seeing shortages in the health care profession mm-hmm. in rural urban areas. COVID took a tremendous toll here. Uh, is this going to be adequate? But to, to address those shortages and to make sure we have sufficient health care for an aging population across the board?
1: Look, I think it's a start. I don't think it's the complete answer to this question. I think it's a really important one, and I think you're right. The burnout rates, the the frontline workers were really our nurses and our doctors during the last three years when we were coming in, out of the pandemic and dealing with the pandemic. We need to be making sure again, we are training the workforces of the future, which include our medical um, professions, and and, and workforce development, I should say, Jim, is really a third area that I'm really focusing in on. I heard so much about labor shortages during the campaign, businesses that are eager with openings to get new employees or employees back to work to fill these critical jobs. And part of that is the, the challenge that we have around training the workforce of the future. That's why, actually, my first piece of legislation was around workforce development. Um, Again, you'll hear this refrain from me. It was bipartisan. I'm really proud of that. Introduced this bill. My co-lead is a Republican from Columbus, Ohio, Mike Carey, um, to incentivize apprenticeships and pre-apprenticeships. because. I very passionately believe that a four-year college degree should not be the only pathway to the middle class. We need to be incentivizing people looking at community colleges to get the technical skills they need for these jobs, union apprenticeship programs, um, and all of the above approach.
0: Congresswoman Nikki Bidzinski is here with us, uh, marking uh, roughly 100 days in office. You've talked about some important legislation, but realistically, how much chance does a bill from a freshman Democrat have in a Republican-controlled House?
1: Well, that's why I'd say I'm so proud of the bipartisan work we've been able to do in these last 100 days. I mean, we do we are in the minority as the Democrats. The Republicans have a five-seat majority, so they control a lot of the agenda of what comes before the floor. But when I can partner with someone like Mike Carey from Columbus, Ohio, Ohio, who serves on the Ways and Means Committee, and I know the bill we are co-leading together is going to come through this committee. I've got a fighting chance of making this a reality, and that's the kind of partnerships that I'm looking for in Washington.
0: Another example of uh, bipartisan work is on a bill to uh, have the scene of the 1908 race riots here in Springfield declared a national monument. This has been lingering for a long time through several congresses, through your predecessor. Uh, So why is it taking so long to get this done? This seems like kind of a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a no-brainer as well. It would also... uh, be a great, um, you know, I think, monument, national monument to memorialize what happened here in Springfield in 1908. Um, and the good that actually did also then come out of it, which was the creation of the NAACP, one of our leading civil rights organizations that is still today on the front lines fighting for equality in all of our communities. We need to get this done. I'm incredibly excited to have a co-sponsor in Congressman Darren LaHood. Um, we're co-leading this, of course, the Senator Senator Duckworth and Senator Durbin are leading it on the Senate side. I'm tracking this really closely. I'm working closely as well with the Springfield NAACP, who has for a very long time been leading this charge. So we're going to work to make this happen. I'm looking forward to leading this effort.
0: You uh, are co-sponsoring several bills with Congressman LaHood, and you mentioned you have at least one with Congresswoman Miller. Tell me a bit about your working relationship with her. You're very different lawmakers, but you're both representing portions of Springfield and Sangamon County. What kind of a working relationship, relationship Do you have?
1: Look, I'm not hiding from the fact that we are different and we're going to disagree on some really fundamental issues, but I do believe that the 13th district, when I got elected on election night, the, um, you know, what I heard from voters was that they wanted me to work with anyone that was going to get things done. And that could be a Democratic or Republican member. And so very intentionally as a new member, I sat down with Congresswoman Miller. I also sat down with Congresswoman Corey Bush, who represents St. Louis, Congressman Darren LaHood, Congressman Bost, to sit down and just say, where can we work together? Congresswoman Miller and I, you know, both are on the House Agriculture Committee and believe that there could be some common ground found there. She and I actually just um, were invited. The Greater St. Louis Inc., which is a business organization, invited both of us to present and talk about our ideas on agriculture in Collinsville last week, and we both presented together. And there are some things like crop insurance. We both very much believe that farmers need a safety net. We both believe in biofuels. She's a co-sponsor of my Next Generation Fuels Act. Um, We co-led, or I should say I led, and there were some other members of the delegation that signed on to a trade letter, very concerned that Mexico has been indicating that they might stop the importation of GMO corn that would negatively impact all of our communities throughout central and southern Illinois. So on that letter, you know, we co-signed with Congresswoman Miller and Congressman LaHood and Boston, Congressman Bill Foster. So my point being is that I think we can find in some areas some specific ways that we can work together that benefit people.
0: I'm going to throw a couple of things out, kind of rapid fire here. Number one, Clarence Thomas, should he hmm. be impeached over the revelations about, uh, uh, some of the luxury uh, traveling gifts he's gotten, or what steps should Congress take in response?
1: Look, I think that, you know, no one is above the law. I think that's what we're seeing over the course of the news of the last week or so. Um, so I'll look forward to following this and, and seeing what might, what steps might need to be taken. Um, but I, I think at this point, you know, more is to be found out.
0: Uh, court ruling on abortion medication and uh, then a, a conflicting ruling and, mm. and it's sort of in limbo right now. Is Congress going to step into this decision? Uh,
1: well look it should I very much believe in a woman's right to choose we need to be able to protect a woman's right to have full access to reproductive health care Um, this medication is a part of it Um, and so I'm doing everything I can in Congress to make sure we're protecting those rights and freedoms of women to make their own decisions about their own body which I think is very important
0: another deadly mass shooting yesterday in Louisville Kentucky Um, and every time we hear about thoughts and prayers and things do you expect to see anything meaningful come out of the Congress in response to this tragedy and the tragedy before that and the tragedy before that?
1: Look, we have to take action. Um, you know, the news that came out this week was Louisville. Last week it was Nashville. Um, we can't afford to to be, to take action And I think when you realize that The number one cause of children's death in this country today is through gun violence. We have a gun violence epidemic that we need to be doing more. Last, Congress took some meaningful steps, I think, on some sensible gun safety measures, strengthening red flag laws, closing gun show loopholes, strengthening universal background checks. These are the types of things we need to be doing, but we also need to be looking at the military-style weapons that are the number one um, tool in these mass shootings and getting those off the street.
0: Finally, you're 100 days into office, you have to already be thinking about re-election. That's the life of a representative. Uh, And we just learned today that the Democratic National Convention is coming to Chicago next year. Uh, What are your thoughts about that? And how does that all impact when you're going to have this national stage playing out? President Biden presumably going to be running for re-election. Is that going to be a positive or a negative for for your own re-election bid?
1: Look, I think it's exciting that the the news that just came out, the Democratic Convention is going to be in Chicago. It's a great place, great opportunity for us to showcase the the Midwest. Um, It is, you know, the victory in 2024 runs through the Midwest and a lot of the battleground states that are around us. So any opportunity that we have to showcase the great work that we're doing in the Midwest, I think is a great opportunity for all of us. And I'm excited about it.
0: Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And congratulations again on 100 days. Thank you, Jim. 92.7 WMAY.